I'm real glad you're editing this week so you can take out all the parts, all of the parts where I sound dumb. See, you already need to do it. start this episode i'm a little out of sorts uh considering that it's not cinco de mayo when i thought i'd be recording i had all these cinco de mayo bits ready to go but now it's the day after cinco de mayo and it's it's like save them for next year you know so i guess that's what i'm gonna do and welcome back to zero credits the show where we talk about things my name's henry and my name is jamie and together we're Henry and Jamie coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist during the COVID times. These unprecedented, ever-changing, uncertain times. Everything is uncertain, including and not up to, wait, that's not how people say that, but including this podcast because things have happened. I can't get into them, but John is busy this week. And so I had to fulfill the J requirement for this podcast in another way. And so I was talking about what to do about the podcast with my wife. Wait, wait a second. Did you, I think you said my wife. It's time for a wife check. Oh, should I go get my wife? Hmm, wait a minute. Oh, she's... Um, how about uh, you should check? You should check if she's if she's here. <laughs> I should check. She, she might be sleeping or something. Oh, you do you really want me to get up and walk over to the door and call out for my wife? No. Okay, I'm not gonna do that because she's right here on the couch. Surprise! That's right. We are socially distancing from the rest of the world, but not from each other. My wife Jamie is here on the couch with me doing the podcast. This week. And I'm very glad to do it. I'm glad to be the J in the WHJ. Exactly. There always needs to be a J in the WHJ. And so this week that J might stand for Jamie. We'll find out at the end of the episode. That's what we call a little hook. <laughs> we do a little hook. We hook them so they have to Orange. listen. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, living in Texas has has ruined me. It's like fishing. I got him. I got him. You hook him. Yeah. And then they have to stay to the whole end of the episode. Oh. Okay, I get it. Because they're staying to find out the hook. That way we we, we got him. Yeah. And we don't got to worry. It's not because they're staying because they love us. No, not at all. No. Yeah, yeah. We got him. You hooked him. We hooked him. And coincidentally... A J is in the shape of a hook, and that's why there is always a J on the podcast. Mystery solved. Yay! Wow, you're just revealing all the secrets, aren't you? Well, John's not here to rein me in, so I guess I have no choice but to go off the rails and reveal all the secrets of Zero Credits. Mmm. 
So that was secret numero uno. Secret two. I am drinking a rum and coke this week. Is that a secret? Not really. I just wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie is drinking, uh, what are you drinking, Jamie? I am drinking a margarita. A margarita, also known by gringos as just margs. Yep, that is what I said early on. Well, also, just other people. Yeah. They also call them Ritas. Yeah, I don't like that one. That's like a person's name. Oh, yeah. I guess technically Marg. Marge? Well, Marge, yeah. Marge. Let's go get some frosty Marges. (laughs) That sounds like... Let's go get some really cold, older women who don't want to talk to us. Let's go Marge hunting. Mm. Marge is the name of the wife on The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. That's the only only time I've ever run into that name ever. Harry Potter. His Aunt Marge is the one who gets blown up like a balloon and flies out the window. Now, see, I had a different interpretation I think it, it it's the minister of magic who talks to him when after that incident has happened and he's like I'm not going to get expelled and mm. somebody tells him you know if I if 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 we all got expelled for blowing up our aunt no one would be at Hogwarts something to that yeah but so I had a different interpretation of blowing up I thought he made her explode oh no because blowing up yeah, that is true that, um, I mean, we don't hear from her for the rest of She's the dead. series. Murder is fine if it's if it's during the first formative years of your life <laughs> at Hogwarts. They wave that stuff away. We just, you couldn't control it. It's not your fault. It's just your nature. But, see, in the very first Harry Potter book, Harry Potter does a couple of things. He makes the glass disappear. Yes, he talks to a snake. That happened on the same day. May, what one might say, at the same time. And he also got to go to the zoo. All magical things. <laughs> right now, going to the zoo does seem so magical. We were talking about this, um, was that like two days ago? I don't even know. Where we were like, we really want to go just look at animals having fun and go to an aquarium yeah, we, we made plans to hit up a couple of Texas's uh, biggest aquariums after this, when all this is all said and done, just because, you know, we live here, we <gasps> might as well... You can't tell them where we live? They know we live in Austin, Texas. <laughs> We've talked about that. My point, however, was a question about Harry Potter. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. So he did three magical things, and they all happened on the same day, so easy to pinpoint. Why didn't the magical police come and punch him in the face? On that day. He did magic. Yes. Which actually, of the three things I listed, only one of them was That's actually I'm... magic. Right? The other one was like an uh, inherited hereditary trait. Which no one likes to talk about in the wizarding world, so it would have been weird. They would have been all like, uh, uh, I don't know what to do with that kid. I'm not yeah. taking that call. You go take that call. Yeah, so like incidental magic that is done by muggle-born wizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, do, do, do the magical police go around and shoot them? Uh, well, I feel like, well, we saw evidence of, um, when Harry used his, he cast a Patronus in the fifth book yeah, but to that, protect 
Dudley, he got an angry letter, right? But that was a spell he did with uh, a wand. That is true. Yeah, I'm talking accidental. about the incidental magic, the, the inheritant magic that demonstrated in the first book absolutely exists. I guess you can't, they can't really trace that. Oh. Would be my guess. It's like something about when you have a wand and you have a tool to focus it, you have certain words, maybe they have... Okay, you know how in Book 7 when Voldemort's followers put a jinx or a tracker on that on the word Voldemort so yeah. they could track everyone who was kind of, like, rebelling? Yeah, just like in HBO's The Wire. Sure, I don't know they that. They wiretap the city of wizards. Basically. Magic, magical wiretapping, essentially. I guess, conceivably, you could do that... With all known spells. But incidental magic doesn't take no spell. Exactly. So they wouldn't know. So they are alerted when an actual spell is used, but if it's incidental or unspoken magic. Mmm. Like Dumbledore. Or Hermione. Okay, no, I'm not talking about lame shit. I'm talking about when Dumbledore turns a bunch of glass into butterflies. That's true. Okay, cool, fine. (laughs) <laughs> that is cool. Alright, enough Harry Potter talk. Other than I want to bring up... That must be the worst job in the Ministry of Magic. Listening to all of the chatter to to weed out the bad magic being used. Like, illegal magic from all... like Because if it's tracked, if every known spell is tracked, mm-hmm. all uses get, you know, registered. And, you know, if you're a wizard, you're using spells every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there must be some... I'm imagining a room in the Ministry of Magic that is just like a podium in the center of a huge space surrounded by old telephone boxes. Oh, like yeah. Like the kind oh, where the, you... The wires. It's like the wires. That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And yeah. it's like you have one earpiece that you hold up and you and all the wires are just constantly clicking all over the place. Switchboards. Yep. Yeah, all right. So enough Harry Potter talk. Magical operator speaking. This is your magical operator. It sounds like you've used a spell when you couldn't (laughs) be using a spell, see? I feel like young wizards could use that. They could use that guidance from the ministry specifically, especially for, like, there should be an outreach program for muggle-born wizards. (gasps) But that's the secret. This is the whole conspiracy. Someone who established this doesn't like muggle-borns. So, muggle-born wizards don't get the support that they need to know that your incidental magic is magic because you're a wizard. It's not weird. Versus, if your parents are a wizard, they can recognize immediately that what you're doing is magic and you're not a freak. And it shouldn't be something that you get scared of. So, that's the whole conspiracy. The ministry is a bunch of pure-blood enthusiast conspirists. Is that why Cornelius Fudge is a jerk? It very well could be. His name is ridiculous. It, it is. All right. There's so much evidence in Enough the Enough Harry Potter talk. Fine. That is not why we called you. We, that's not why I asked you to be on the podcast today. <laughs> well, we uncovered a conspiracy. It's fine. I'm you sure. You never know. I'm sure J.K. Rowling is, is, you know, she's already sitting at her keyboard, primed and ready to type out exactly why Cornelius Fudge was a jerk, and it has nothing to do 
with anything that we talked about. It has everything to do with some weird, too much information secret that he had. Yep. That we don't need to know about. Yep. Sounds accurate. All right. So earlier today, we got together, uh, Jamie and I, and we made a little list about what we wanted to talk about today. I I tentatively titled it Quarantine TV Time. And I think that's great because uh, that's really the gist of what we've been doing in this quarantine. Gosh, it's been a month and a... Almost two months. No. (laughs) It's been almost two months. It'll be two months for me next week. Yep. Yep. That's a lot of TV, folks. And so, yeah, we're just going to kind of cover what we've been doing during the quarantine. And for a lot of that, it's been watching TV. But also, there's news here. Oh, see, see. There's some news coming up. I don't know if we want to go down this list in order. Uh, we might as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, Monday was uh, May the Force Be With You Day. The May 4th Star Wars holiday that rolls around every year for some reason. Yep. I guess people like Star Wars. I don't know. But it was announced that Taika Waititi, famed writer, director, and actor of the Silver Screen is going to be co-writing and 100% directing a Star Wars film. Which is very great. It's very interesting. Uh, I personally really like Taika Waititi's films, judging off of the two most recent ones I have seen, which have been Thor Ragnarok and Jojo Rabbit. Um, Highly enjoyed both of those. Um, also, we recently oh, no. watched him. Uh, we oh. were very tired. We decided we didn't think either of us had seen that, you know, uh, classic this... Ryan Reynolds superhero film, uh. Uh, 20, 2010, 2011, something like that. I don't care. Um, Green Lantern, folks. Green Lantern. That classic it was about three quarters of the way through the movie when I realized I actually had seen it before, but I had just blocked <laughs> it out. So, um, uh, what you may not know is Taika Waititi shows up in that film. Yeah, he's in that film just as like a little nerdy guy with a completely normal sounding voice. Doesn't really stand out at all. And you have to wonder, he had already directed films at that point. Like, he had already directed what we do in The Shadows? No, that's... I don't know. That's not him. Sorry, that's uh, Flight of the Concords. Yeah, but I thought Taika Waititi was in that. Me? Someone was literally talking about this the other day. Not me. And I'm the only person you talk to. You can look it up. We'll allow it because you're a guest. I'm looking it up. He either directed it, but I thought it was Flight of the Concords. Uh, I mean, Jermaine Clement is definitely in it. I know he's doing the television show. Um... Anyway, I, he had already done Hunt for the Wilder People by then. He's in it, and he co-directed it with Jermaine okay. Clement. Okay, all right. So half of Flight of the Concords, you were... I was half, half right. correct. Yeah, on both counts, which means fully, fully correct. correct. So yeah, I mean, he'd already had films out. Maybe they were more niche. Maybe they were more indie. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, did, I wouldn't think... His career has taken a wild, wild ride... With, like, really cult classic indie films that that are really beloved by the people who see it. Mm -hmm. Then Green Lantern. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Thor Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, like, out of of nowhere, exploding onto the scene with these really heartfelt, really good movies. 
that sort of been the genre that they're in. Yeah. And now he's got a Star War. He directed an episode of The Mandalorian. Oh, that's right. The last episode of The Mandalorian. He directed that one. I liked that one. A lot of people say that was the best episode. I think they were all equally good, but that's just me. Yeah, I liked them all. Um, but, man, what a great way. I mean, The Mandalorian seems like it was a auditioning ground, almost. For, yeah. For, like, okay, if you can handle an hour-long episode, well, I guess 40-minute episode, in this kind of episodic story, uh, see what you do yeah. with it. Maybe you could get your own standalone Star Wars movie, nay, quite possibly the first of its kind, not attached to any larger saga. This is true. Uh, and and this, is, this is interesting from the perspective of, of the deciders at Disney, who after... Han Solo said, we're going to be pulling back on Star Wars films. And then after The Rise of Skywalker said, the Star Wars films are done, pretty much. We're completely pulling out. We're going to focus on uh, episodic things on our, our streaming service and, you know, not much else. And now all of a sudden they're saying, okay, Taika Waititi, uh, yeah, you could, you can uh, direct and co-write a, a film all your own. What are you going to do? I would well, it doesn't matter because you can bet we're gonna be there on set every day saying that's not Star Wars. Yeah. Make it a girl Star War. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That one's that was not gonna appeal to the overly male fan base. <laughs> uh, we only make toys for boys, therefore yes. We need a girl Star Wars. We need a girl. That's not how, canonical. How, okay, I've I've been on set for about a week now, and I've listened to your actors, and it sounds like none of their last names is Skywalker. What's with that? <laughs> Star Wars is about the Skywalker. <laughs> I, I've heard, I've read stories about executives like uh, putting their hands in too many pots. Mm-hmm. What is it? Too many cooks spoil the broth? I have never heard that before. All right. Well, I'll show you a, a 10 minute long video later. Great. Uh, called Too Many Cooks. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, yeah. So there, there's been executive interference, at least in Rogue One, for sure in Solo, mm. and for sure in what became the rise of Skywalker. Um <laughs> So I'm just I, I I know Kevin Feige is sort of he, he's spreading himself a little thinner by saying he's also sort of taking creative uh, some creative control over the Star Wars franchise because mm. he's done so well with Marvel, and incidentally he's pulling Marvel directors over to Star Wars because he's like, well, I mean they did good on Thor Ragnarok, so if he could make Thor appealing, I think he could make your Star Wars thing appealing. That's my Kevin Feige. I've never heard the man speak. Same. I, it sounds good to me. I think A+. Plus. I also wonder if this is... When did they announce this? Like May week? 4th. Okay, all right. Monday. Um, so that gives them enough time. Since um, all of this COVID closure has happened, um, they also had... It had, this had This had been in the works before COVID, but uh, Disney, I don't know if you know this, the CEO changed over. Bob yeah. Iger is out. Um, yeah, but then he stepped right back in as soon as there was trouble with the person who was running it. 
Oh, okay. Bob Iger is back in. I missed that part. Yeah, no, he, he stepped down. He remained like on the board, but he wasn't chairman or whatever. He wasn't the CEO. Right, that's what I was. But then COVID happened, and mm. whoever took this place, I guess, wasn't cutting it because he's he's right back in that office. Okay, well, never mind. Yeah. Um, I was just considering that maybe. No. Uh, well, they're losing a ton of revenue. A billion dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, across all of their parks, they have lost. As of today, a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So if they're thinking of ways they could recoup some of that, I mean, box office draws are nothing to sneeze at, and the big Marvel draws are either delayed or people aren't as hyped about them because all their favorites have had their big culmination in Endgame. As John um, and I, yeah, John is up. As John and I have said, Marvel is over. Right. They it's had their. Else. They had their last movie. It was called Endgame. It was great. One of the biggest moments in cinematic history. And so now it's over. There's no need to do more. So I guess Star Wars, which was supposed to have its big cinematic moment, but more... But then it was dumb. Had a dumb... A dumb last movie. They're like, (laughs) maybe we can do this again. Can we get a do-over? I say this... uh, I mean, I truly enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker when I was in that theater. I really, really loved it, and I had a great time. Had a blast. Um, one of my friends recently said, uh, Star Wars is for kids, and if you look at it through that lens, all of them are great. I totally understand that. From a storytelling standpoint, Rise of Skywalker had a ton of problems. I'm sure you guys have hashed this out on oh, the podcast before. I don't even know if we wanted to, because yeah. we both didn't like it so much. But... Yeah, so, like, from a storytelling perspective, wasn't as satisfying as it could have and should have been. But, that being said, it was an end to a saga. Like, there's not really anywhere you can go from that. They, oh. Right, well, they tied up is so there, many loose ends. Is there they were not? Like, we, can't, we can't leave any... I'm J.J. Abrams. I leave no not untied. Oh. And so he... Took every single string and like either cut it off or looped it back in upon itself. What the hell is Moz? I don't. I That's don't. what this movie is gonna be about. Yeah. Someone tell me what a Moz is. It's a, it's a very interesting premise because I mean obviously the news was just announced. We don't know anything about it. Um, there's a huge book canon that they could draw from oh, if no. they wanted to. Sorry, all of that was rendered non-canon. Oh, okay. Well, I just like universe, like planets it, that existed and things like that. They made it into the Legends series. Ah. Okay. I guess those are fake accounts. Mara Jade, sorry, you can never come no. to the big screen. Yeah, she's gone. Yeah. Excuse me? Mary who? No. Mm. Dead. Yep. A myth. A legend. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what was that face? I don't. I was mimicking uh, Mark Hamill oh. from The Last Jedi. I gotcha. So we'll look forward to whatever Taika Waititi puts together. I'm going to watch it. I mean, yeah, because it's Star Wars, and if it comes out in December, it's the only thing to go see, so you <laughs> might as well go watch a Star Wars with your family. Yeah. Because they like it. They like the Star Wars. Speaking of the Star Wars, however, I'm going to link two things together. So Jamie and I have this thing called Disney Plus. 
That we do. It's a streaming service that we bought to watch The Mandalorian and then forgot to cancel. (laughs) And now we've shared the password with so many people, it's kind of awkward if we did cancel. So we're stuck with it. So we we loaded it up the other day because we didn't know what to watch. And I do this thing where I open up every streaming service and just scroll through them, see if anything catches my eye. By the time we're done scrolling... It's too late to watch anything, so we just go back to something we already, already watch. That's not... Okay, I feel personally attacked. (laughs) Um, I just need to know what's on. Yeah. It's like scrolling the channels. I I understand. There's there's nothing... You can't scroll... You can't flip channel surf anymore. You gotta... You gotta stream snipe. (laughs) Stream snipe. Watch out. The stream sniper. Go find out the good streams. And take them. All right, now I feel doubly personally attacked because you're making fun of me. So I loaded up the Disney Plus, and on the, their big scrolling banner at the top, there was a picture that said, I don't know, it's called like the gallery? It's called the gallery, colon, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. So, and, and what it seems to be, because from the picture, it's like John Favreau, Taika Waititi, then a bunch of other people... Sitting around a table talking about the Mandalorian. It included Bryce Dallas Howard. That was the other person I recognized. The other folks were facing away in the picture. So what I did she do for Mandalorian? She directed an episode. That's pretty neat. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's right. Ron Howard's daughter. Yes. That was an audition. That's why what kind of was in my head as I was thinking of like an audition for potentially directing her own Star Wars film, because it'd be so, like, keep it in the family. Yeah. Star you know, Wars is for families. You know what? Your dad directed a subpar film that not a lot of people liked. How would you like an episode of The Mandalorian? Yeah. Anyway. So it, it seems, you know, when big shows air, and as they are airing, especially on the American Movie Channel Network... <laughs> There are these these talkie shows. It's like, so The Walking Dead will play, and then right after The Walking Dead, there's The Talking Dead, the show where they talk about The Walking Dead. And then while Breaking Bad was on, uh, the Breaking Bad would show, and then right after there was Talking Bad, and they would talk about Breaking Bad. Man, that that that, that title's not as good. That that one's not as good as The Talking Dead. Talking Bad just doesn't I'm sound I'm pretty good. sure The Talking Dead came first, and yeah. then whoever came up with, like, well... People really like our Talking Dead show. Breaking Bad's also really big, and it also ends in ING. There's a word in it that it's ING. <laughs> and I don't want to think too hard, so Talking Bad, here we go. Yep. And then HBO did it with Game of Thrones, and they're after Talking <laughs> Thrones. Yeah, I, I don't like, think it got a name. It's like Behind the Throne, or oh, I don't cares. know what it was. I, it doesn't matter. So Disney was like, hey, The Mandalorian is probably the biggest thing we've done so far on this Disney Plus that we made people buy. Slash the only thing that has garnered any media uh, attention at all. Yeah, I mean, we already canceled Hilary Duff. What? We canceled her forever. She's been canceled. No. The actress. I'm not even no. talking about the show. But I liked her. Yeah, she's been canceled. I'm sorry, Disney canceled her because... Sorry, Miss Duff. Yeah. So it's like, we got nothing else going on. I know what we should do. Let's stretch out this Mandalorian content and make a talking roundtable show about the show that's already... The season's already ended. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to release 
one episode at a time, or if it's just one, oh. like, a commentary, like, filming the commentary for it, but it's all at once. Maybe it's, like, the commentary section of a DVD. Um, well, usually you watch that while watching the thing. Right, but you can't do that with a whole series. That would be crazy. I mean, you could do it episode by episode is what they do on DVDs. That is true. But there's no DVDs. It's Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to put it on a DVD because they want you to buy their streaming service to stream it. Uh, well, that's not what I'm saying. I Okay, I get it. I get it. It's a roundtable. It's not a commentary. Okay, yes. <laughs> I understand what the difference is between those. I understand. Uh, I have a I have something to say. I, I oh, no. if you're done making your point about that, oh, it's I'm, related. I'm, I don't know if I'm done making my point. I think it's dumb. I was just gonna say that the title of it, the gallery colon the Mandalorian, means to me that they might be planning to do this for other series in the future. Oh no! You think it's gonna be the gallery colon High School Musical the musical? Yes, I actually do. Gallery colon. The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. These are the other titles that are on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Gallery <laughs> colon the final season of The Clone Wars, the TV show? Uh, was it on actual TV or was it only on Disney+. Plus? Well, it was back and forth. Mm. The first uh, couple of seasons were only on TV, but the final season was on Disney+. Plus. Very interesting. I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to try to make it happen for other series. I'm just concerned because we bought Disney Plus because there was this promise of content. Yeah. And then The Mandalorian came out and the content was great. And then The Mandalorian ended and we haven't revisited the site to watch something since. This is true. And now they're they're stretching out that good, good content. By talking about it in a format that I will never watch because I feel like that's dumb. Sorry. <laughs> Go to a podcast. If you want to talk about the work you've done, it should be a podcast, not a roundtable discussion that's filmed. That's boring. Give me audio-only content. <laughs> I, I do you're... not need the visual stimulus of seeing the people sitting around the table talking it's a waste of camera. You're gonna. There's only a so, waste of my eyeballs. My eyes can only take so much. There's only in so this world. so much of the film on the reels. I don't know what it's made of, but we're gonna run out. So stop wasting the film and just put it, put it on a digital recording device. That's not a camera. That's not a camera. Okay. okay. Audio only. Put the lens. Put the lens. The the hat. <laughs> Put the cap on the camera. The what is it? The lens cap. The lens cap. It's a hat on the camera. And just let that microphone pick up the table. <laughs> <laughs> You're just watching a black screen the whole time just listening to people. Well, why would I need to see them sitting around a table? What if they want to show <laughs> clips from the episodes as they talk? Okay. That that's fine. If they do that, then that's that, then that's acceptable. We'll if never they know. if they never do that, and my suspicion is they don't because that would be extra work. I don't know. 
Anyway. I think it's dumb. That's my whole point. I guess I don't have anything other else to say besides I just think it's dumb. What what compelling what a compelling piece it's of statement. It's dumb. It I It's dumb. <laughs> you heard it here first and several times, folks. It is dumb. Oh, you agree. I'm just saying the news. Oh, okay. Beating it. All right. But yeah. Um, well, then let me just uh, go ahead. Uh, we talked about this. Oh, we're scratching it off our list. We talked about this. I uh, have a segue from, I mean, the content on Disney Plus, they are not only rehashing things that have been part of their library for a long time, like all the old movies and TV shows, I'm think I feel like as they're airing them on the Disney Channel, then they're putting them on to Disney Plus quickly after that. Um, but we're also seeing things like uh, the Disney Family Sing Along event, which aired uh, after all this stuff got started, April, early April, mid April. Um, they aired it first on primetime TV on April 16th. Yes, thank you, Henry. Please pointing to my notes. Um, aired it first on primetime TV, and then I feel like a week later, if even, they put it on to Disney+. Plus. Uh, so the intent originally of that was to, like, okay, get people to tune in, and it's, like, togetherness, blah, 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 keep your kids busy for an hour while they sing along to... A bunch of viral YouTube videos strung together by celebrities in their homes uh, has now become potentially, I guess, they're thinking it's a draw for Disney Plus as well. Yeah, so like in case you missed this live event that we did, you know, out of the the kindness of our COVID hearts, mm-hmm. uh, here, here, here's just some freak. It's like here's some free content, mm-hmm. but it, it's like. When you work marketing and you, you work really hard to do like this, this campaign for one asset, one facet of the company, and then your boss comes in and says, that's really good. Post it on all of our other stuff, too. And it's like, well, I mean, it's really just for Twitter. It doesn't really quite translate to Instagram. Yeah. I, I guess that's not quite the same thing, but it's like, oh, we're, this was good for live television. And now it's good for streaming, too, because we own it. Yeah, I guess they could do whatever they want with it. It's 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 kind of interesting to me. Just, like, I was reading into it a little bit earlier, and because um, I want to juxtapose it with something else later. We'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. Um, the Disney Plus... Started out with Bob Iger, like, working with some celebrities to make Facebook videos or viral videos of them singing Disney songs. And then it was like, well, why don't we string these together and put it on TV? Um, and so, uh, it just started, started there, I guess. It's nice that it was a sing-along, um, and kind of involved the family. Um, you can see, like, all the celebrities who were involved in it were really excited to do that and some of them got really creative so let me get this straight 
Bob Iger saw Gal Gadot singing Imagine with all of her famous friends, and he was the only one who saw that and said, That's a good idea. I need to do that with the things that I own, (laughs) with the celebrities that'll do the stuff with the songs that we own, and we're going to put it on TV. Yeah, probably. Probably so. It is also, like, when you think about it, it's a really good... Marketing's not the right word, but it's a good, like, reinforcement of your brand and how you're available and you're here for families. But are um, they here? Or are they just trying to to show that you can sing to songs you already sung to? I don't know. We're on different sides of this because I don't like Disney. Yeah. Okay. I am. I grew up with Disney, so it definitely has a special place in my heart. And um, I enjoyed some of the songs. See, I watched this sing along, and I tried to watch it live, but I missed the first part of it. So I watched probably the last twenty minutes live, and then I finished it later on Hulu first before it moves Disney Plus. Wait, no. I, just, I think I just watched it on Disney Plus. So it must have showed up like within the next couple of days. I mean, they also own Hulu, so it could have been there too. That's true. I don't know. It all runs together. That was a while back. That was April 16th, I have learned. that. So that's been a while. Um, <laughs> so anyway, just point being that I enjoyed some renditions more than others because of the production value that was in the different ones. Like for these, I feel like the individual... Uh, people, like the celebrities, had more control over what exactly they were doing. I don't know who got in touch with who first, or, I mean, they had all sorts of random celebrities, and, like, people just sent things in. So, like, Beyonce sang a song, I think it was When You Wish Upon a Star, but she was, like, she just filmed herself with a front-facing camera in Snapchat filter, versus Derek Huff and his fiance, uh, Derek Huff, uh, being one of the very famous uh, pro dancers from Dancing with the Stars, and his fiance who lived together, and uh, they also brought in his sister Julianne Huff from a different location. Did this huge, crazy dance number um, to a pre-recorded version of them singing "Be Our Guest." So, like that one, production value was crazy high, and you could tell they did a lot of self-editing and cutting that together. A lot of playing, they had costumes, all this sorts of stuff. Um, and that kind of was the two extreme ends. Um, some celebrities uh, filmed, like, on their sofas with, like, nice lighting around them. A couple, you could tell, had um, put together, they had pulled certain things out of their closet to be kind of in costume. Uh, some of them involved their kids, uh, different, different kind of ways. Um, so it was interesting it's weird to turn on primetime TV and just watch a bunch of YouTube videos back to back to back, which is kind of what it was. Um, all, all I could think of was uh, imagine that it's not coordinated and you happen to also record yourself singing Be Our Guest and you submit it. You're also a celebrity. Yeah. And you submit it and then like you, you, you sit down all excited and you find out that, uh, well, Beyonce also chose to sing, be, not be our guest, but um, Wish Upon a Star. Uh-huh. And so that, you know, of course, they're going to go with Beyonce. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, oh no. 
Oh no, I got cut. And, and then like you know, like you're, you're yeah you're watching it, and the worst thing is like don't cut to me, don't cut to me, like don't do a weird mishmash oh. of Beyonce and me, don't do it, don't put us side by side. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be bad. Yeah, I that I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, people are adapting to uh, being out of their element. Obviously, the dancers had more of the stuff, more of the things they need, like at home yeah. to make their stuff stand out. Beyonce, surrounded by her millions of dollars, uh, only has a cell phone with a Snapchat filter readily available. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. She could probably get on the horn, the mm-hmm. Beyonce network. I don't know a fancy way to say that. But, like, you know, she probably could have gotten something together. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's like, eh, I'm just doing this to do this. I'm just going to be on my phone yeah, I think she filmed hers in all of five minutes and sent in her first take. Because she's Beyonce. She can just send in whatever. Mm-hmm. And people love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess just my, my biggest thing takeaway from that is it, it is a very interesting adaptation. Like, you see people reaching out from all these different platforms and, like, trying to get in touch with people. And, like, oh, I'm bored. I want to do something fun. Or also, I want to do something for people that will make them happy. And I don't know how that all necessarily came together, but um, I think I think it brought a lot of joy to families, and it's it was interesting and weird to see di- people's different interpretations of that. And uh, Ryan Seacrest was in the middle tying it all together because he was the host. Of course, he was the host. <sighs> and I, um, yeah, just so it was that was like. As I was watching that, I was like, okay, this feels kind of weird, but I guess this is the times we're living in now. Um, and I guess I can go ahead and talk about my other thing. Cause well, I was, you know, it, this is endemic of what's just happening right now. Parks and Rec did their reunion special, mm-hmm. and all it was was like a, a, a Zoom meeting episode, obviously filmed on phones or webcams on laptops. Mm-hmm. And, and like they did it in character. And also, they did it to raise money for, uh, like, a, uh, the National Food Bank. Oh, yeah. The Disney sing-along was also in a conjunction of raising money for, I think, Feeding America. Good. I, I think the Feeding America thing was also for Parks and Rec. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good. Because then it's actually serving not just, like, a feel-good value, but also, like, a socially good value. So that, you know, you don't have to rely on, well, that was nice. It actually, like, served a purpose, too. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, so, I mean, those those things, these are all, like, born out of this desire to connect when you can't connect. Um, and I think all of those ideas, that the shows that we've just mentioned, the idea for them came about after all of this COVID stuff started happening. Yeah. And, like, okay, how can we connect in a way that's how do we reach out um in in something as a result of covid um i want to take all of that if i may continue talking for a very long time um and juxtapose it with another series of cut together celebrities singing songs this was for a different reason this was a uh concert that took place on YouTube live on Sunday, April 26th, 
It was called Take Me to the World, a celebration uh, for Stephen Sondheim's birthday. Uh, Stephen Sondheim, super famous Broadway composer. Um, he has incredible music lyrics. He has been just a Goliath of the industry for a really long time. Uh, oh, yeah? Name one thing he's ever done. I can name several. Can uh, you? Just name one thing. Sunday in the Park with George. That sounds made up. Name, name, name several others. <laughs> no, I'm just being silly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he, uh, Stephen Sondheim turned 90, and as in years past, like, they had uh, a, a, a huge concert planned where they would go through all of his music and just put a showcase and feature a lot of famous Broadway performers, um... Like, in years past, this has been... Because they did it for his 80th birthday, for his 70th birthday. They had big celebrations. They would include a huge um, symphony orchestra on stage. uh, People coming on in beautiful outfits. It was like a whole big night. Like, stage performances. um, As you do in the theater, on a stage. But, uh, obviously, they couldn't make it happen like that this time. So, this their idea that had already been in the works had to get adapted. And so they uh, had the idea of like, well, maybe instead of a concert, we can just do a bunch of individual videos and we'll just reach out to people if they're interested um, and just like put them out piecemeal. And then as they started getting more and more folks involved, they're like, okay, well, maybe we can string this together and make a concert out of it. And it turned out to be two over two hours long. Uh, with all these incredible, incredible moments from really awesome performers who have, who are either just starting out in their careers, they've been in three shows or 20 shows, uh, like some really iconic Broadway stars like Mandy Patinkin saying something from Sunday in the park with George standing in a park on a Sunday. Wait. Like acapella, like really How did you incredible. know it was a Sunday? Because it well, it was supposed to be live on a Sunday. It, it was aired on a Sunday. I don't know if okay. he filmed it on a Sunday. Okay. Um, he didn't hold up a newspaper <laughs> that Sunday, you know, the Sunday edition and point at it. And then, like, was he George in the... He was George. He's George. Okay, well, then a name tag that says George. <laughs> yes. And then, like, a sign. <laughs> well, I don't know why there would be a sign in the park that just says park. <laughs> And, like, he has three hands. He's pointed at all three. That's a lot of hands. And then he just goes right into the song, the titular song, It's Sunday, I'm in a park, my name's George. Yes. Very close to the actual song title. <laughs> oh, I am? Um, it's Sunday, yeah. I'm George in a park. Very good, very good. Uh, we're, we don't sing any copyright and stuff. No, I won't. Um, but, yeah, so it turned into this huge concert, and I did read into a little bit about how that one came together. All of the Broadway stars brought to the table, this is the song I want to sing. So it wasn't, like, picked by some overarching producer. It was it was born out of, hey, we want to do something for Stephen Sondheim, or as several of them called him on their videos, Steve. Like, almost everyone opened or closed their videos by saying, happy birthday, Stephen, happy birthday, Steve, and sharing, like, these really awesome behind-the-scenes moments um, that they had uh, experienced with him and interspersed 
with all of that was yet again another charity um, called A Step. It's about it's uh, helping underprivileged kids have exposure to the arts. Okay, so, that was probably arranged beforehand. That yes, that one yeah. was. Um, but yeah, it was just fascinating to see, like reading the story of how that came together. The guy who ended up hosting it, his collaboration back and forth with the performers. They told him which song they wanted to sing. He arranged someone to pre, uh, pre-record a, a professional piano track and then sent it back to them. They recorded it, brought it back to him. It was all edited together. They had really nice, like a cohesive graphic all the way through. Who was the host? Oh, I don't know his name. Like Raul uh, Esparza or something like that. He's not a name that I personally know. But, so he's uh, not just a host type. He's not a host type. He was someone who had a really strong connection with Sondheim himself. Um, he's on the younger side, so he could handle the technology. <laughs> they were also trying to do this actually live. Yeah, which That's, is insane. It is insane. And they ended up having technical problems, and they delayed it by an hour to set it up. They they were doing like a host introduction and a piano piece by Stephen Schwartz, another super import, uh, prominent composer. That was going to be live, and then they were going to play a stretch of the pre-recorded celebrity footage, and then another little, like, guest spot live, and then another stretch of footage, kind of interspersed. They had technical problems, and so it was like, of course, it's opening night of a Broadway show. It's going to be late. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) um, But then they had this really incredible, the show must go on mentality. All of the host people who were supposed to do their stuff live, recorded themselves very quickly, sent it in. An editor who was, like, furiously working right there cut it all together and pressed play. And it was just wild the, to see that come together. They got the uh, the guys who do the, the slow-motion replays in football games <laughs> who are just, you know, they're really quick. Yeah, it's just... Go fast! Gotta go fast! <laughs> it's like, well, we got nothing else to do. Uh, normally, I'm doing five football games a day, but right now, nothing's going on. I guess I'll do your Mandy Patinkin thing. Steven Sondheim. Eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's just really, it was neat to see um, the host of that uh, reading an interview. He talked about when he was having those technical problems, he was getting all sorts of texts from the celebrities who had submitted videos saying, hey, your mic's not on, or I think something's wrong with the feed and stuff like that. And it kind of brought everyone together and it made it feel like a big ensemble. Um, And it really just, to me, spoke to like the interconnected nature of the Broadway community because no show happens without the support of tons of people all together. And just like every show that you do is really like a camaraderie. can com- camaraderie be a adjective? Camaradic? Com- hmm. I don't know. Just a, I don't know. Just the nature of being together and that the show must go on mentality <clears throat> kind of struck me as very fun. I also really liked that they did an overture featuring only musicians, like people you would normally never see on a screen. And then. At the end credits, they feed, They did a huge big song with uh, tons of current Broadway ensemble cast members. So, like, no celebrities. It was just like, hey, we're Broadway and we're here. 
that one was definitely, it was not for kids. Like, it was put together very intentionally, and it was as much, I think, for the performers themselves to have that, uh, something to put forth, and to share that with other fellow performers as anything else. Not to say that the Disney one was not put together intentionally, but I definitely could see where that was kind of a last-minute intent. Like, oh, here's something we can do just to throw on and we'll make a big marketing push for it. Versus this one, like, was very specific. And I don't know. I don't know. Also, Stephen Sondheim reportedly loved it, which is good. Oh, that's great. I didn't know he was still alive. Yeah, he turned 90. It was his birthday. Well, people can have birthdays when they're dead. Uh, that's true. I guess it's just like a, in honor of it would have been their birthday. But no, he's 90, still kicking. Wow. And so, like, that was the other thing, too. Was, yeah, he was like, don't you guys have any new music? <laughs> I'm tired of hearing the same two songs, Sunday in the Park with George, and then George is in the Park on a Sunday, <laughs> the two songs I wrote. I'm Steven Soundheim. <laughs> There's, I just want to say, there is some division within the gr- grammar community about the adjective form of camaraderie. Oh, please tell me, yes. Uh, so it seems that there, some people use camaradly. What? Which to me feels more like an adverb. Yeah. But a lot of, so another handful of writers use camaradic. Which is what my instinct was. Yeah, camaradic. But it turns out nobody really knows the adjective form of camaraderie because it's not, it's a weird word. Yeah. It's even spelled dumb, which to me means it ain't from no English. True. Anyway, that ends my giant long spiel about <laughs> sing-alongs. Uh, you can tell what I've been doing with my time. Wait, what have you been doing? Watching other people do videos and not participating in any video-making things myself. But what video-making things would we participate in? Well, I had an opportunity to... What? Well, inquire. What? We got invited what? by a different church choir to sing our part of a, a, okay. like a hymn song anthem and submit our video and that other church would cut it all together. And I was like, oh, that would be kind of cool. But then I listened to the song and it sounded hard. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't blame you. And really long. Not every song could be Sunday in the Park with George, which is like the easiest song in the world. Because <laughs> it's just, I'm George, it's a Sunday, I'm a park. Doop, doop. What's funny about this is Stephen Sondheim's music is notoriously very difficult to sing. Because his words are really fast. I'm hoping that's where the humor lies. <laughs> and that's why I keep doubling down on this this version of Stephen Sondheim. Oh, man. Who uh, apparently only wrote two songs. <laughs> and they were both and <laughs> copies multi- of each other. Multiple decade career. It's just the two same two songs <laughs> same over and over. two songs. And they're both in uh, Sunday in the Park of George. And the lyrics are comprised with that title and nothing yeah. else. Forget about all his other shows, Assassins, Into the Woods, just all out of the window. Oh, I saw Assassins. I didn't like it. I'm sorry. You didn't <laughs> like it. I don't know. Because we, we, our college put it on. I remember that. It did. Yep. It wasn't good. Uh, they sang, the song they sang from Assassins was a secret, it was a song that got cut from the show. Oh. So, 
Okay, um, well, that was cool. There were like a bunch of there were a bunch of like obscure songs in there. It was a really fun sing along. I've officially scratched out. I can't read it. Quarantine sing alongs. Yes. So we can no longer talk about it. Alright, it's sorry. over. We're done. It is over. We are done. We can no longer discuss it. Thank you, everyone, had, had, for coming along with me on my long rant, I'm with s- which Henry could not really. I'm sorry, contribute. I have nothing to add. I'm glad that you 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 have this perspective to bring to the podcast that I would not have had because I didn't watch it because I don't do sing-alongs. Do they do the words along the bottom? For the Disney one, they did because they build it as a sing-along. Oh, the Sondheim one was, was a more of a concert. Yeah, yeah and okay. so it was really incredible. There were there were a couple of duets and a couple of there was one. There was a quartet. If you are a fan of Broadway at all, you should go watch it if you have not already. Where can I find it? YouTube. YouTube. Yep. It Weird. Was on YouTube at first, and so it's, it's still there. It's called "Take Me to the World," ah. which is one of his famous songs. So they didn't have... Well, okay. That doesn't ring true because he only wrote two songs. <laughs> it was a secret one. <laughs> they, so what you're telling me is they didn't have a small picture of his head bouncing along the words. <laughs> on Sunday at the park, on George. Doot, doot. Yeah, that would be... Uh, happy birthday. Here's your head floating... <laughs> Sing along to your own songs, Stephen. His, his songs are, are, the words are very close together, so the, the, the poor head would just be like... That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, like just, yeah. I don't know, shuddering up and down along the words really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, poor, <laughs> and then he would just be dizzy after every song. Oh, Whoa, man. that's yeah. true. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. I'm glad you did, and I'm glad me making fun of it has not lessened your enjoyment of it. <laughs> Never. Anyway, and know that my making fun of it comes from a place of trying to make things funny and not out of a place of uh, I, I not liking the things that you like. Cool. Solid. Yeah. Next next you... time I will invite you to watch it with me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could. You could <laughs> absolutely invite me. Do not be surprised if I stay in the other room. Well, the, the last thing that I was watching... That you were like, no, I don't want to watch it. You ended up really loving, so... I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I'm talking about oh. HGTV. Love it or list it. I think this is because we've never really had the opportunity to be bored and have nothing else to do together <laughs> until now. This is true. Quarantine has stripped away all of the things that we would do to fill our time... With more exciting things, like we would go to a movie, we would go explore Austin, we would go find a good restaurant. We would sit at home and play video games. Yeah, we would do that. But but now we've gotten to the point where we're, we're running out of things to, to, to do. And as always, when I'm bored, I turn on HDTV. <laughs> and you laugh, but I haven't been bored much around you because you're so fun to be around. Aww. But this is true. I used to watch a lot of HGTV. I did not know this. House Hunters was particularly one of my favorites. Well, see, I knew that your family liked to turn on House Hunters and make fun of the people. Yeah. But I had only ever experienced that on vacations. Yeah. Like, in Colorado. And I was like, oh, they just, we don't want to watch Colorado news because it doesn't make any sense. So we'll just turn on a show that, we. I thought it was y'all's, like, vacation chill show. It, it kind of is. 
because at home, my I don't think my dad really wants to watch it, but like it's something that even my mom will pay attention to. That's true. So yeah, I we we would watch HGTV and love it or list it happens. Actually, no, my parents really like that one in Waco. Oh, uh, uh, Fixer Upper. They really like Fixer Upper, and they really like Flipper Flop. Like, they they digest HGTV. Mm. I like Love It or List It because it's got both the House Hunter part and the Fixer Upper part. Yes. You get a little taste of both. You don't have to watch a whole House Hunter mm-hmm. or a whole Flipper Flop. You, you're saving time, in essence. Aha, see, we're combining our efforts two for one. So, Jamie and I have been watching a medium amount. Yeah, yeah, it's a medium amount. <laughs> Maybe, like, one episode every two days. Or that one time we were real bored and we watched, like, six episodes because <laughs> we couldn't go to sleep. And then it was three o'clock in the morning and we were like, are you gonna love it or are you gonna list it? Yeah, we started getting real, real mad at these people. Um, yeah, so we've been watching Love It or List It on HGTV on Hulu uh, because we've officially run out of things to do. Why did we want to talk about this? <laughs> it's on our list of quarantine TV time things that we have been doing no, it in isn't. quarantine. It's, it's, it's right, right there. there. Oh, it is. It's, it's right the there. last one. I didn't think we would get to yeah, it. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's a time, folks. So the thing about Love It or List It, every episode is exactly the same. <laughs> that is true. The, the, there, There is... There's a family of way too many people. Yes. And a house that's way too small for that many number of people. Yes. And there, there is a member of, of the, the couple unit that loves the house. And there's a member, member of the couple unit that wants to be in a new house. And they, they switch it up every episode. It can't always be the mom that wants to stay and the dad that wants to leave. They change it up. Don't know what to expect. Now, no matter what, no matter what gender... The person who wants to stay in the house is always the most unreasonable. <laughs> yes, that's true. They're always like, we could stick a child in the pantry. It's fine. Hillary will make the pantry bigger so we can fit two children in the pantry. But don't forget, we also want to renovate and expand our kitchen. So I also don't want to give up any pantry space yeah. because I can't imagine living without my pantry. <laughs> so my children will just suffer and sleep in the corner with the dog. Yeah. I always love it. It's like, it would be nice if all of these walls were just gone. And then, like, Hillary comes in and she's walking in with the contractor who's, like, hilarious in of himself. Yeah. And she's like, all right, so we're getting rid of these walls. And he's like, all of these walls are load-bearing. We can't get rid of them, Hillary. You sure know how to pick them. Yeah, <laughs> good. Yep. Um, yeah. And then the con- the homeowners are always so surprised. What do you mean you can't do that? What do you mean I've been living in a house? Yeah. It's, it has issues because it's been here for more than 10 years. Yeah. These houses are always so old and like they're always, they, they, they're renovating. Like, turns out we got to redo the whole everything. Their everything is not up to code. It's broken, full of termites. See, what happened is the mice that are supposed to live in the walls have gotten a disease. <laughs> and so some of those mice have started turning green. And you can't have green mice in the wall. You gotta get rid of all these mice and get in a whole bunch of new mice. It's gonna be very expensive. Yeah. We're gonna set you up nice. New mice. Not <laughs> green. And that's just that's gonna eat away at your bill. And he's like, oh, I'm out, I'm out of money. Well, now we can't afford 
to put a child in the pantry even. <laughs> like Hillary's always has to like, you know that you know that list of things you gave me? I can no longer do it. <laughs> and they're always like, What? What do you mean? Yeah. Meanwhile, David. Oh man, the realtor. The realtor. <laughs> his side of the show goes the same too. He always go he shows in the first house. That's terrible. It's a bad house. Yes. Why does he even show it? David, you know it's not going to be good. It's like he knows he has to show a bunch of houses. So he's just like, what's the... He goes to, like, the local area realtors and he's like, what's the worst house you guys have? And they're like, oh, that one down on 6th, 7th Avenue. We haven't sold in months. And they're like, yeah, I know. That's where they live. Where's the second worst house? (laughs) Because he, he always... It's a little bit better yeah, than the yeah. house they're in. But it's like... They're always like, David, we can't have a swimming pool in the middle of our... In the middle of our den? And it's like, well, that wasn't on your list. Yeah, it's like, you should have told me it wasn't on your list. David, uh, the walls are covered in mold. Mold and free walls wasn't on your list. <laughs> oh, it's just... I know these shows are formulaic for a reason, so it's like, okay, we know what to expect. Um, but gosh darn it, the people are so Oh, they're stupid. so they're so particular, because there are some episodes where it's like, well, it doesn't matter if they love it or list it, because these two are getting divorced. There was that one episode where we were like, by the end, you could tell that the guy had kind of lost interest, and the girl was just like, she had stopped... Uh, protesting at things she didn't like. Yeah. Because we were like, oh no. And they're then, just like getting money back into their house so they can sell it and split it in the divorce. Yeah. They, so like when Hillary, when Hillary, Hillary's final reveal came, they they were like, oh yeah, this is great when they had fought her all the way. Because like the, they're like, they're just thinking, yeah, that's going to raise the property value and my half is going to be bigger now in the divorce mm-hmm. because there's no way we're staying together. Yeah, they definitely... I think they decided to love it at the end because we were like, of course they did because yeah. they can't... They're not going to buy a new, a new house, house and then get divorced. Yes. They're going to sell the house they have, split it down the middle, go their own ways, and then hopefully never watch this episode of television <laughs> again. Yes. Oh, man. You remember that time I decided to split for my husband... Well, I do, because it's memorialized on public TV for all eternity. (laughs) They sent me a copy of the DVD. I get a very small (laughs) cut of royalties every time they rerun it on television. Oh, there's no way. There's no way they do that. You sign a waiver that's like, you you, you forgo all rights for royalties and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Love it or list it. If you have nothing else to do... Watch at least 10 episodes to learn the formula. <laughs> and then also what Jamie and I have been doing is like, oh, we actually like that feature of that house. Or we like what Hillary did there. So we're getting ideas for eventually one day when we buy a house. Yeah. Or list a house. Wait, that, you can't Are list. we going to love it? We can't list what we don't have. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be on love it or list it. Here's the hitch. I don't have a house. Could you buy me a house, then fix it up, and then buy, find me a new house that I might want to buy? You're like, Henry and Jamie just moved into their house three months ago, but they've already decided it's not right for them. Man, oh man, that would be crazy. Jamie wants to stay in the house that they bought. 
But Henry wanted to be on television. (laughs) 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 And plug his dumb podcast. (laughs) So I'm gonna need a podcast space. We're gonna... We need a room... Where I can do my podcast. That's going to be one of your non-negotiable. That's my non-negotiable. It's like, I'm sorry. Look, we just really couldn't afford to replace your stairs. And so that we, your entrance into your house is just going to have to remain a pile of rubble <laughs> with a rope to stabilize yourself to get in. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. But what I, about my podcast room? Well, I mean... If I if I cut the podcast room, I could get you some nice stairs. It would be great. Non-negotiable, Hillary. I want my podcast room. And then we'd walk away, and you'd get your podcast room. And I'd be like, I can't believe Hillary would <laughs> would try to look out for us and try to build us a door into her house. <laughs> How dare? Where does she get asking for more money to fix basic infrastructure issues? Mm. Anyway. <sighs> Love it or list it. It's on Hulu. There's something like a billion episodes. Uh, so many. One of the seasons takes place entirely in Canada, and you can tell. All of the houses are exactly the same. And they all are weird. And they're all... No one treats it like it's a thing. No one's like, well, why is the doorway... Why is the entryway a narrow hall that enters into, like, a flight of two stairs, one up and one down... And the kitchen is in the like in the back, and there's a back door leading into the kitchen. No, no one questions that. They're just like, ah, this, this is too small for twelve people. <laughs> Where will we fit our cousin's uncle's brother? I always expect David to be like, what the fuck is happening in this house? <laughs> but instead, he's just like, this wall color is ugly, and Hillary's like, oh, not an issue. I can. Paint the world. Yes. Love it or list it. Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a, it is a fun time. We always watch it while we are simultaneously doing something else. Yes. It's a good one to keep on in the background. Yeah, it's, it, it never has my full attention because it does not deserve it. Yeah. It's a good nighttime winding down one, though. Yeah, it's good for uh, going to sleep, too. Yes. Mm. Something else we have watched recently... In the evening times, but not for winding down, but to to get very happy and excited. It oh. Is a, uh, they recently posted, I guess debuted, a season on Netflix called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Yes. It, it is great. It is an improvised comedy show with two people in it. Uh, Thomas Middleditch. Yes, that's one. And what's the other one? His name is Ben Schwartz. Yes. Benjamin? Uh, ben. I think just Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. Sonic the Hedgehog Schwartz. John Ralphio Schwartz. Wow, he's got a long name. <laughs> ben Sonic the Hedgehog slash John Ralphio Schwartz. And they do improv together. There's three episodes. They're each an hour long, and they are all insanely funny. It was very, it was really fun to watch. Uh, hour long improv, long form improv. It's all one continuous story. Um, you can tell that they're taped very far apart. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I think the first one they they referenced some year, and then mm. they referenced a time period, like a what's it called? I don't know. Like, from one year to another year, a length of time that had passed. I don't know. 
a number of years had passed, whatever. We could tell that it was filmed in 2018. Yeah, it was in the past. Yeah, but their most, more recent, there's only three episodes, spoiler, one of them had obviously happened more recently than that because they were referencing pop culture things, um, just to touch on that, that had happened since then. So, it was, it was neat. It was interesting to see. Um, yeah, they obviously do this show a lot, and they uh, apparently they taped three of them to put onto Netflix. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the first one wasn't even a part of that because they didn't really make mention of it being recorded. But the other two, they're like, "We're recording," and they even they even explained what improv was. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, yeah, uh, the first one we, we kind of know, buddy. Because there's also a disclaimer that plays at the beginning of every episode that explains what improv is. Yeah. This show is entirely improvised. It is all made up on the spot with no scripts beforehand. It's like, I think... We get it. You don't know that we know what the word improvised means. I mean, Outside of the context of theater, but just like improvise. Or jazz. Huh? Or jazz. Jazz? Oh, jazz, jazz music? is the place where you improvise. Sorry, my brain just bleh. Jazz music, which is like a, the only genre known for improvisation. Yes. Though it happens in all genres. It can happen in all no, genres. I'm sorry. As a person who doesn't know anything about music and therefore would not actually know, <laughs> jazz is the only genre. <laughs> um, so we have a particular background with improv comedy because we, uh, we met doing improv comedy in college yes and uh and that's where our relationship grew and so it was really nice to see improv done well and long form improv done well on like this huge main stage full of people you know did celebrity draw yeah because thomas middleditch and ben schwartz are pretty big names right now yes uh thomas middleditch was in a godzilla movie that's right. I keep forgetting that. That's he's in a god's and Ben Schwartz. I don't know if you know this is Sonic the Hedgehog. <gasps> what? So like they're big names right now. So like, and, and you know they've been around. They've been in the scenes. Yeah. So big big draw there, but also the improv they do is really loose, really fun to watch at, from an improv impro- improviser standpoint because we can see when they break. Yeah. And they don't try to hide it. That, to me, was really refreshing. It's like, okay, they're not trying to take themselves super seriously. They are trying to do put together something that makes sense. But really, they're just there to have a good time. And they're here to have fun with each other and to have fun with the audience. Yeah. And that made me really happy. It, and I made me... I found myself rooting for them as it went on. And I was like, yeah, that was a great, good job. I saw what you did there. And... And I just really had a fun time. It really brought me back to sitting off stage watching my friends do improv scenes. And it didn't matter if it was perfect as long as it was funny. And uh, these long rambling in-jokes that kept working their way back in. Because the shows we would do were over the course of two hours. Oh, yeah. But it was short form. But because the show was two hours long, you might have, in your later games, your later uh, scenes, draw on jokes that had been laid down early on. So you kind of have that rapport with the audience, like the audience is in on the joke, and similarly to the show, if you broke, it didn't matter. It was 
it was funny. It's like it helped the audience was like, oh yeah, see, they're just like me. I don't know. I was just like, yeah, it's like a connective thing. It, it definitely highlighted the more the what improv is supposed to be about, which is entertainment, having fun, and like basically having an in joke with the audience. Yes, that you know, out of context, people would be like, why are you laughing? But because you were there when you saw the idea being born. And then you were there to see the idea come back around full circle to make complete comedic sense. Like, it feels like you're sharing a secret joke with each other. Yeah. And that's the great part about improv. Yeah, because it's special. It's organic. It is. It can have those special in-jokes that are only for you. Only for you, audience, and that performer. Only that time. Because unlike a stage production where the script is written months, years, decades beforehand, it is being formulated and tailored to you directly. Like, if you as the audience laugh at something, then the performer is going to do more of that thing to keep getting a bigger laugh. It's really cool to see that. Yeah, it's instant, not instant gratification, but instant feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not in a way where it's like a stand-up routine where it's like, oh, uh, I guess I'll uh, focus on this joke and then the next time I do this set. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, your set's still being, I guess, quote-unquote written. Mm-hmm. So you can adapt on the fly. It's like, oh, they really like when I mess up my accent. I guess that's just how this character talks now. Yeah. But um, it reminded me of when I started doing improv and all of the fun and wonder and, like, sheer weird energy just because I was nervous and having all of that weird nervous energy being rewarded with, like, laughs and validation. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, propelled forward and and really made me miss that kind of improv and not the kind of improv that we unfortunately found ourselves doing toward the end where we were getting really serious about it. And we were trying to make sure it was good instead of trying to make sure we were having fun. Which is not to discredit serious improv and improvisers who strive to make their craft, like, to hone it and get really good and make it, take it to a level that it could have been a fully crafted play, uh, like, just a, a, a script laid out in it, and you don't really see the evidence of it being made up. That is really difficult. That is an incredible art. Um, and I'm not discrediting that at all, because I, that, that is unique and enjoyable in its own way as well. Uh, but I couldn't... That's not, for me, the kind of improv that I would want to perform. Yeah. Um, and so seeing this looser, meta, self-referencing, like, they're breaking on stage and just rolling with it as it goes forth. And taking the pressure off each other yeah. just by... It's very reha- relaxing. Well, they take the pressure off each other by rehashing established things just to make sure they both remember it, you know? Yeah. It's like they, they'll just kind of, like, pause and be like, all right, who are the characters' names? Not like that, but, like, they do it in a way that's funny. Yeah, you know, like, and my name, just again, is Clarissa. And like, oh, yes, Clarissa, yeah. my cousin's friend. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm Clarissa, your like, cousin's friend. Hi, I'm Amber. And, like, are you, are you Amber? I think we established another name. It's like, my nickname is Amber. Do you need a nickname? 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure we gave you a name. I go by Amp. And like this weird kind of like denial, because like, yeah, they did establish a name before. Yeah. I guess that does, it is denial. But, but then like, they circle back, it's like, Marty! And so they remember. Yeah. Actually, the audience called out and reminded them. They did. But that's, I guess that's all part of the fun. It's like the audience gets, that becomes an in-joke because the audience knows you have that dramatic irony that the audience knows that you're calling them by the wrong name and you're waiting for them to catch themselves that they had called each other by the wrong name and then see what they'll do with it. It was a real fun time. We were laughing our butts off. Oh, yeah. Part of us I've laughed in a couple couple of weeks. Yeah. Really, they did a great job... Thomas and Ben, thank you. Do more. We need yeah. more than just three. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I hope... My, my, uh, our only hope right now would be is that they would have more recorded in the like in, in the chamber ready to fire. Yeah. Because there's no way they can do any now. And, like, you can't do improv without an audience. That, it, that's impossible. to do, Like, it's like doing stand-up comedy without an audience. You need... The instant feedback, you need the electrification of having things land, and that doesn't work without at least, I don't know, some people in the audience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Middle Edition Schwartz on Netflix. Check that out. Do it. And, uh, I, unfortunately, we're out of time. Are we? Yeah, we, we have hit... We have hit the limits of what this episode can be. Man, we really talked about all the TV things. Yeah, we had some other things prepared, but uh, they didn't really fall into TV. Uh, Taco with TV also didn't fall into TV because that was a movie. It's related. It's related because Star Wars, because Mandalorian, because May the Fourth. We, we, yeah, and May May the Fourth. We we kind of we tr- we tracked the topics that made sense to talk about, and. Uh, that's that's all we can ask of ourselves. I would like to thank everyone again for listening to my ramblings about singing along because singing is something near and dear to me and I'm sad that I can't sing with my choir right now and I uh, miss being in shows, I yeah. guess, and performing. So So what's going to happen here is that as soon as I stop recording the episode, Jamie's going to turn to me and go it was okay that I, I talked so long about sing-alongs? No, you're revealing my secrets! That was alright, you're not going to cut that out, and I'm going to reassure her, that would be too much work. <laughs> <laughs> it stays in the episode, because I also think, it, I mean, it, it was a perspective that I don't have, so I who am I to be the one to cut it out? That doesn't make any sense. Um... But that's what's going to happen. So, remember? Secret number three. Uh-huh. Revealed of zero credits. Three, the magic number. And now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the episode. It's definitely not the part where Jeff turns it off. It's time to do <laughs> our social media plugs and do all list all the ways you can get in contact with us and support the show. And since I'm editing this week... Oh, no. Typically, the person who's not editing is the one who does all the plugs. Oh, no! But I'm going to spare you. (gasps) Thank you. I'm going to do you a flavor. A flavor? (laughs) And not have you read our social media plugs. Because one, it's not even reading. It all comes off the top of the head. Yes. And two, there's a lot to remember. And also, including one of those, is a new website and email address 
that I don't think I remember. And if you don't remember our email address either, you can ask us to send it to you on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And Jamie knows what that stands for. That stands for Zebras Can't Pick Children Without Heavy Jazz. Jazz. It turns out the J stands for jazz. And that's the end of the hook that we baited at the beginning of the episode. It was about jazz the whole time. That the, improvised jazz. That So the people who hung in there and found out what the J stood for, clap yourself. That's not Give yourself a round of applause. And if you have other things the J could stand for, but you want to explain yourself in a format... That is longer than 280 characters. You can send us an email at email at zerocredits.net. That's email at zerocredits.net. Zerocredits.net. There's nothing there. Maybe that's why I don't remember it. Because it's not live. Yay! But maybe by the time this all blows over... (laughs) And this is the part where John would say might and one see in a high-pitched voice. So I, could you say might and one see? Might and, might and one see. Hmm. It's might and one see. Oh, man. It's like he's not even missing. Or just away on business. Kidnapped by pirates. Shh. Don't tell them. Well, whoopsies. We are on Spotify, and you can find us by searching Zero Credit, open parenthesis, S, close parenthesis, on the podcast section of Spotify, and that's where most of our listeners come from. So thank you to the fans who are listening on Spotify. We're also on Apple Podcasts, and you can find us by searching Zero Credits any other way. You know, you'll find us on Apple Podcasts, and if you could leave us one of them star ratings... And one of them reviews on the Apple Podcast, that would be great. Because that's the second best way to support the podcast. And the first best way to support the Zero Credits family is by word of the mouth. So by wearing your cloth mask and staying six feet away, tell people about our podcast. Or just send people a tweet. Or just tweet about us. Or put us on Facebook. Do whatever you want. Tell people about the podcast. And we'll tell the podcast about you. Hmm. All about your secrets. We know them. <laughs> we know your <laughs> secrets. Zero credit secret number four. We know your secrets. And we will tell them to people if you tell them about us. That sounds like blackmail, but we're actually encouraging you to do this. What's the opposite of blackmail? Uh, white... I don't know what's opposite of male. White female. (laughs) This is the part of the episode where I go, uh, and from everyone here at the Zero Credits studio apartment studios, two bedrooms, two bathrooms, a kitchen, and some stairs studios, we want to wish you a happy quarantine. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Are you making fun of the way we say bye? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.
Oh. I, okay, I go through this with John. Every week, I get the last word. It's in my contract. <laughs> I get the last word. So I'm going to say goodbye. Okay. Bye. This is not the right mouse. <laughs> you have two identical mice. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's not like I get confused by them on a daily basis at all.